Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Folks, you are tuned into the Starting 502 podcast. As always, you can find us wherever podcasts are found. And when you find us, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Additionally, you leave a comment down below. Leave a review. Let the people know how much you love us. You like Louisville basketball. We like talking about Louisville basketball. And the more that you guys do that, the more that we get in front of more people's faces and the more that we can provide more fun, amazing content for you all. Like, comment, subscribe, all the corny stuff. Starting 502 Podcast. Let's go. It ain't so brought two bitches go fast and slow. Take my time, like they sis, but it really ain't no. Turn on strip like a bang gon' go. Paint on this like a they don't know. Ain't no mixing slide on us. Ain't no issue with all that, huh? I'm just different and all that. I just dipped out with all that, uh. Take a picture what I got on. Hey. Vacate the premises, uh. Y'all know what the premises. Yeah, I get prim proper, uh. Like we at the opera, uh. I am not opposed to it. If you tryna pop up on me. All right, starting 502 podcast. Presley Meyer here, as always, in sunny Cleveland, Ohio. Nick, on the other hand, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Couldn't be further apart, but in the same state. Just like the refs from this game tonight. It couldn't be in the same same place, but yet further apart. The refs in this example being further apart from reality. So, listen, let's get into straight away, Nick. The end of this game, and then we'll get into all of the positives. I, I feel like there are a lot of positive things to take away from this game and kind of marred by just a weird, terrible, awful ending to this game. Uh, Nick, first of all, how are you? Uh, congrats on your Bengals this weekend. We get to hear about the Super Bowl for two more weeks from you. And second of all, what the hell happened? First of all, I'm doing fantastic, Prez. Thank you for that. Um, who day? Uh, definitely haven't been like a really loyal Bengals fan my whole life, but I'm acting like it now. Are you kidding me? We're going to the Super Bowl. Really encouraged tonight. I mean, like, beyond encouraged. I, I texted one of my buddies that I was feeling things. I, like, I felt like going down nine with a few minutes left, I was like, all right, you know what? We played really hard for 33 minutes. I like what I'm seeing. I think Pegues really, you know, has the ear, all those things. And then Louisville got right back in it, went on their own 9-0 run, got it tied, got it to overtime, despite Baycott not fouling out um, for what seemed like 25 chances. I, overall, I just really liked the effort. I mean, again, the defensive end is, is just not there, and it's, I don't think it's got to get there at this point. But intentional intentionality on the offensive end for the really the first time in a long time. I mean, obviously, you saw that against Duke as well. Um, but, you know, post-Chris Mack era, I feel really good about where this team's at in relation to where they were a week ago. And, you know, this North Carolina team is a tournament team. 
Um, the Duke team they just lost to is a tournament team, and they played both of them basically for, you know, Duke they played hard for 35-ish minutes, and Carolina they played for, you know, 44. So I feel as good as you can. You know, obviously they're still losing. That's 7 of 8, so obviously it's not where we want to be. We're officially at 500 on the season, which obviously is not where you want to be, but you take out the horrendous officiating, and Louisville wins this ballgame. I'm fully convinced. Ultimately, you know, you want to see wins because if we're hopping into this podcast with a win you know a couple of bounces go their way at the end of regulation and over time whatever happened happened and Louisville ultimately did not come out victorious but you have a win coming out of this game and you feel infinitely better but at the same time I think that looking in, in the macro scope of things again uh, just like we've said many many times this season it, it feels like they are moving in, in the right direction and again just like in the Duke game, I feel like this is one of the better games that they played all season. The reason that they made so many three-point shots tonight, it seems like, is because a lot of them were intentional. You didn't have Malik Williams in the game jacking up crazy threes. Yeah, I think LL has had a couple of heat checks tonight. But look, those are warranted. He was 5 or 11 from three-point range, made four straight at one point, I believe. Kind of helped Louisville go on a 12-0 run that put them ahead in the second half after being down by as many as 10. A lot of good things to to take away from this game again you look across the box score Noah Locke two for ten from the field two for eight from three not exactly what you want I believe he missed seven out of his last eight shots he was two of two on catch and shoot threes yeah and and again if there is one person and if we want to get into that a little bit the main reason why Louisville has looked much better against Duke in North Carolina is simply because this team is learning to play to their identity. And you look at, you know, Matt Matt Cross tonight was absolutely the player that he was brought in to be. Jalen Withers was absolutely the player that he was brought in to be tonight. Uh, Mason Faulkner, I believe, in the first half was Louisville's best guard. That's why LLS scored zero points, because he didn't get any clock in the first half, because Mason Faulkner played really well. So Sidney Curry, obviously, whoever the new coach is that comes in, whether it's Kenny Payne, Kenny Payne. or or... Uh, any other name on the list, uh, I, I think that that their first task has to be to make sure that L. Ellis and that Sidney Curry remain on this team uh, because those are two pieces that you can build around. L. Ellis is a guy who could be an all-conference type of player next season. And, and Sidney Curry, if he's not the starting center next season, needs to absolutely be a guy uh, who's getting some serious clock. Uh, and he finally was able to play the minutes that he ultimately deserves tonight. 17 minutes with foul trouble. I know he played he played 15 last game, uh, but, it, but it felt like he played the more significant minutes in this game, right? It felt like whenever um, Louisville needed a bucket, they were able to draw up a play to get something working for Curry. That is one thing that, that he's going to have to work on, though, is he is a bit undersized as far as height and length-wise. So when he goes up against an Armando Bacot or a Mark Williams, he is obviously going to have to figure out ways to defend those type of players and rebound against those type of players uh, without getting into foul trouble. However, with all that being said, no Malik Williams, who's your leading leading scorer and leading rebounder, and no Roosevelt Wheeler. Ultimately, Louisville is in this game and probably should have ultimately won this game. So that's a, that's a huge takeaway, uh, given that your head coach, literally just left the team less than a week ago yeah and you know we got matt jones tweeting about the officiating of this game i mean i mean pat pat ford i mean svp it's just it's so interesting to me this game just had everything i know i know you and i were texting during press just 
like from the effort level to the officiating to the just insane runs like this team has had such a propensity to go on a monster run and then just take a segment off like consistently all year long they just take a segment off after a big run and then they have to get another big run to get back in the game and it it, it just felt like it had a little bit of everything in this game but like you talked about found the identity offensively when they went into lulls it's because they went back to hero ball right and, and again, I don't think you can properly quantify in rhythm shots. It's not, it doesn't show up statistically like other things do, but when you run good offense and you catch the ball in rhythm and take a jump shot, it's just, there's just such a higher probability that that, that ball is going in the hoop. And for a guy like Noah Locke, we've seen that consistently this year. If he is catching and shooting the ball, he is going to hit it at an extremely high rate, a rate that is the best in the Atlantic coast conference. If he's off the dribble, it's not, you know, you saw that, you saw that with LLS even tonight, right? If he was able to take that, that step back or that back dribble and get into his shooter, you know, his his shooting pocket, then he was there, but the ones that he forced coming off of screens, not as much. Right. But like you said, getting Sid Curry, the ball in the right spot. How many times have we gotten Malik Williams, the ball this year, 18 feet out from the rim? Like what, what good is that going to do? We know he loves to be a spot-up shooter. He's not, but we know he loves to be, right? But Sid knows his role. Sid, Sid gets in the paint. He gets the guy, he gets his guy on his back and he goes and attacks the rim. I mean, think about that. I think about that last Sydney bucket that he went up and under around Baycott, which should have been foul number 49. And, and like just the ability to finish that, I think shows me all that you need to know with him. And again, it's the little things for me, but one of the biggest glaring things tonight, Press, Matt Cross. Who is that kid? Where has he been? I, I I I don't know where that Matt Cross has been. I know there's, you know, we've talked about it. There's a lot of speculation. You know, we, we all know he got kicked out of practice with Mac and all these different things. And obviously he wasn't jiving with, with the Mac administration, but man, he was something else tonight. And even when he was fouling, I don't, he was on the boards. I mean, he was boxing guys out. I mean, a couple of them, he got called for an over the back because he was trying to jump over Baycott. I mean, outstanding effort obviously was ready to throw hands if need be there at that situation where Jalen got a tech, which, which was extremely laughable. We've talked about this. We all know it exists. Louisville's got to figure out a way as a program to play through horrendous officiating. And it shouldn't be that way, but that's just the way it is, right? We've watched, you know, the, the Wake Forest football game this year, right? We've watched numerous North Carolina Duke incidents, the Grayson Allen incidents. The ACC protects the North Carolina schools. They always will. This year, as has been noted on social media tonight, they have maybe four NCAA tournament teams, and that's a stretch right now. They have to protect North Carolina, Duke, all these teams. And that's what they're doing, right? This is a really bad year for this league obviously it's a very bad year for Louisville on top of that which makes it even worse at some point you got to be like how do we how do we respond to bad officiating and again touchy refs you know Corey Alexander can get 15 seconds on this podcast because in my opinion he's not a bad X's and O's guy and he's usually not horrendous on the broadcast he was absolutely atrocious tonight on the call on the ACC network just atrocious in his love for Baycott did nothing when Sid Curry, you know, balled out on him multiple times, said nothing when Baycott openly, you can see it anywhere on Twitter, grabbed Jared West's ankle and ripped him to the ground right in front of the official on the baseline. Nothing happened. Everything was about, oh, it's physical. They're letting him play. If it was Baycott, if it was anybody else, it was, it was their fault. And I think that's the thing that for me, it's like we get into this mode where it's like, 
max gone and like the football program is not where we want it to be you know beside recruiting obviously we're doing pretty good there recently we get into this like lull of like everything is terrible and you know the world is burning and then we get bad officiating like <laughs> how does this always happen but at, at a certain point i think you just have to adjust and say like there's going to be some really terrible calls i don't have a problem with anything jalen withers did i don't have a problem with anything matt cross did i personally wouldn't have had a problem if if something else would have come from that just because of things that had been let go. And I'm a firm believer that at a certain point, you know, like you just can't let it go anymore. I firmly believe Pegues would have gone in that locker room and said the same. He may be saying that right now as we speak um, about, you know, standing up for your team and standing up for your guys. But I think at a certain point you do have to say, man, we get a bad whistle consistently. What are we going to do about it? You know? And, and again, you can look at the the moments you can look at the, Jalen Withers push uh, on Amanda Baycott push, you know, the flop. You can look at the Sid Curry foul. That wasn't a foul. Those are the two moments that decided this ball game. Louisville played really well tonight. Louisville executed really well tonight. They, they, you know, I rebounded by three against the North Carolina team without Malik Williams, without Rose Wheeler. Even if this isn't a Roy Williams. And I know there was a big thing about how Hubert Davis isn't as like rebounding is everything as um, Roy Williams was. But this is still a long, athletic North Carolina team. I mean, to do that on the boards after what we've seen last week, even, you know, or even in the Duke game on Saturday, a ton to be impressed with, a ton to be happy about, horrendous officiating. And, you know, I'm not one who's going to sit here and say that normally, but officiating costs Louisville this game, and it is what it is. But I'm choosing to to be excited about what I saw. And, you know, I, I think... <laughs> Man, I think Mike Pegues is going to start a narrative here, and I've already started to see it happening. But I think he's really going to unite this fan base. He already he already has. We've got that Baja Bullies moment. But, man, I, I'm interested to see what happens going forward because he 100% has me. The one interesting aspect that you look at in this game as well is without Malik Williams, without, you know, Roosevelt Wheeler would have been obviously a nice help tonight. Uh, but without Malik Williams, a lot of people didn't want to say it because this is your three-time captain. This is the guy that's been here since the Patino era. This is the guy that's stuck through postseason ban stuff, stuck through missing out on, on multiple tournaments, stuck through the COVID stuff, stuck through now Chris Mack getting, leaving the program. The team plays better without him on the floor, just straight up. And I think that the two guys that benefited the most tonight were Jalen Withers and Matt Cross. Like, it seems like the guys that just do not play well with Malik Williams in the game are Withers and Cross. And tonight, Cross, 5 for 11, uh, 15 boards in 13 points. Jalen Withers, uh, 12 points tonight on five for nine shooting. And really, I mean, he manned the middle against Armando Bacot uh, for the most of the most of the second half. That is major, especially considering that Jalen Withers was just absolutely hot garbage for a solid portion of the season. You look just across the board at, at the team chemistry and just how they played tonight. Um, yes, the shots were falling, but they were a product of of better offense um, as far as the defensive end it used to be that malik williams and coming into the season you know the big thing was oh well you get malik williams back he is a first team all acc defender and he's one he's the best defender on the team best leader on the team well okay he's not the best defender on the team anymore probably the worst defender as far as the bigs go uh, be, just because of his capabilities 
uh, more than anything else. Obviously, his, his leadership role isn't developed into something where allegedly he's getting into to fights with coaches in practice. According to Mike McGee's on his coaches show last night, this is not the first time that something like this has happened this season. Uh, and, hello, and that is a my... problem. That's a problem, Nick. <laughs> And the, and the way Corey Alexander worded it, and again, I've, I've said his name too much for what he deserves tonight. I hadn't I hadn't seen this or heard this. It From what he said in talking with Pegues, this is a situation where Malik may be done. Like, if, if he's not able to own whatever it is, like, this could be it for him. I have seen nothing that Pegues has done that makes me not trust him, makes me not think he understands the gravity of the situation or of the moment or of, this fan base or of this university. And that's the thing for me. That's like crazy at this point is like very clearly he had the ear of this team and, and we, it took us a while to figure that out. Right. And to, to fully understand, cause we just presumed Chris Mack would be the guy and would be the leader. And that made sense year four, all these things, obviously Piggy's had the ear. It, they tried to switch going to the Michigan state game. Didn't work. Um, as we all talked about, obviously Chris didn't know his roster coming back from the suspension. Didn't know that through rotations and through, you know, all these different things, but just the fight that this team has shown. And like you said, Jalen Withers, how many times did he dribble the ball tonight with purpose? How many times did he finish tonight? I mean, how many boards did he get where he just went and got it? I mean, how many times this year has he st- just been standing, you know, or been complaining about not getting the ball? You know, you can physically see he wants the basketball and he's complaining about it. Like those kind of things are like, Yes, they are coachable, absolutely. But very clearly, the standard is so much higher with Mike Piggies. It's almost astounding. Like it, it doesn't make any sense to me how things were happening, you know, with with Chris Mack to the extent that they were. But if Malik Williams needs to go, then he goes, and that's that's what needs to happen. Yeah, and at this point, it seems like I don't know. I don't know if the fan base would be disappointed if he came back because ultimately, what you cheer for is you want him things to work out for him and for the team and you want there to be this happy marriage and happy ending. But at this point, when you look at the product that's on the floor without him, uh, when he was on the team and now without him on the team, things just seem infinitely better. Uh, the one thing that, that I'll say about tonight with a, with a few pretty major exceptions though, is that it seemed like Mike Biggies just went with the hot hand and he went with, the the lineups that were working and very sparingly interchanged players because of foul trouble. Um, the one exception that really stands out like a sore thumb to me is Noah Locke tonight. Um, I'm not sure why Noah Locke still gets 31 minutes. Obviously, if you look at it, if he played five minutes in overtime, he really had 26 minutes. Um, but I'm not sure <laughs> at this point. I don't I, know what I don't know what Noah Locke provides for you. That L that between LLS Jared West and Mason Faulkner that they can't provide themselves uh, because I think like he's knocking down shots at a high rate still so sure I think from what I saw offensively specifically in the first half they ran a lot of variations of the same looks and a lot of that was screens for Noah Locke that then created openings in the paint for Sid Curry specifically and to me I felt like that's what Pagisa was doing was using him more as a decoy. And then you did see the times that he caught it in the right position and did knock down shots. Um, but I agree with you, right? If it's just going to be coming off of a high ball screen and rotating the ball, then let that be somebody else. Like, and even, you know, as we've seen Jared start to heat up, you know, and get back to being more of the statistically good shooter that he has been in his career, I would much rather have Jared West in the ball game 
you know, I agree with you. That same thing you've been saying with Malik Williams getting 30 minutes a game. Noah locks that next piece, I think. And I think there is no, there's no stopping Mike Pagese at this point. Like what, what's going to happen, right? We, they released the numbers today. He's making very good money for what he's doing, you know, down the stretch here. If he wins a certain amount of games, he makes even more money. You know, obviously those NCAA tournament things are hilarious that they put in the contract. Obviously they have to do it. I mean, if the, if the cards win five, five and five in Brooklyn. I mean, I know you, you're on the record as saying you're paying Mike Pagese. I think you said $500. Yeah. $500 um, in cigars, I think is what it's going to end up being. And I, I'm a man of my word. I, and I will, I will yeah, get a I'll, tattoo that says Baja Bullies. So. There you go. So Baja Bullies tattoo for Nick. I'm getting Mike Pagese $500 in cigars. And trust me, Mike and I will be smoking those cigars at some point after the season. You can bet your ass on that. So Mike, if you're listening, Let's get that stuff done. Here's my question for you. Perez. Sure. Can I ask you this question? Because I think this is going to be a narrative that starts. Is there any any world where Mike Pagis is even considered as full-time head coach? Yes. I think that if Louisville actually goes on a winning streak of some sort, and especially if they make a run and end up in the postseason by winning the ACC tournament, which right now sounds crazy. When you lose seven out of eight games, trust me, I get it. But your last two games were games which you tied or led in the last few minutes against North Carolina and Duke. Uh, Duke, a team that's probably going to be a, at least a two or three seed in the tournament. North Carolina is going to be solidly into the NCAA tournament. And that's with your interim interim head coach and without your two bigs uh, against North Carolina, at least. So, yes, I think there is a world where he is considered because... It's kind of that, you know, you get into a little bit of a deeper question with this, but, you know, we keep saying Kenny Payne, Kenny Payne, Kenny Payne, Kenny Payne. But when you look at and evaluate what coaches are available and what coaches are viable and realistic on this market, and then you look at what Louisville can provide uh, from a financial standpoint and from just like what they can offer as, as far as overall as a program right now again, the NCAA cloud really makes things a lot more difficult than, than they typically would be. I think right now, if you're going out, if Chris Mack was just doing this poorly with no other extenuating circumstances, Louisville just needed to bring in a new new coach. They would just look and say, okay, who's the next best, best up and coming coach that's out there that isn't going to be poached from, from the top five or six programs in the country. You would just look at, look at whoever that is around the country and you'd pick that guy and that would be it. Like th- that's for Louisville, at any other time, and it's in the last 30 to 40 years, that would have been the case. With all that said, with the current situation around the program, I don't think that it is just absolutely crazy. Do I think it will happen? No, I don't think it will happen. But I do think that Mike Piggies will be a head coach or a candidate for a good head coaching job in this offseason. No, to, to answer your question, I don't think it's crazy. Like, I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but it would really require Louisville just Absolutely. Just the entire city and fan base getting behind him. Louisville going on some crazy winning streak and him just really having having the ear of, of this team and kind of defining the program, you know, making the program kind of fit his mold. Uh, so there's still a lot of work left to do there. Obviously, it starts with just winning games. Yeah, I think I think the thing for me that you have to really focus on is a lot of these longtime you know, Hall of Fame type coaches 
had to get their start somewhere, had to get their opportunities somewhere. I mean, John Shire's what's coming to mind right now. I mean, he is the head coach in waiting. He's the head coach, you know, as of, you know, April 5th or whatever for, for Duke. And he's not been a head coach anywhere, but he's been an assistant on that bench for Coach K. He's a player for Coach K. That comes to mind. I mean, you think about even, you know, the Patinos of the world and the Roy Williamses of the world. Like, they had to be given a first opportunity. And the thing for me is I am fully convinced, you know, the more research and the more understanding of the job specifically at Louisville, I think this is much more a culture fit and a lot less of the right X's and O's guy. And I, like we've talked about, I know we talked about this specifically with um, with Matt when we were talking about Chris Mack being out. This game has changed completely in the last five to 10 years. It's so much more about recruiting and getting studs and then figuring it out X's and O's wise. Like, obviously, if you look at Carolina tonight, you know, what did Carolina do extremely well? They do a lot of early action to get the switches that they want, the matchups that they want, and then they just set high ball screens and come downhill. Like, it's nothing complicated. They do a, they do a lot of four out, one in. Um, they, they do basically what Chris Mack wanted to do, but didn't have the athletes for, if I'm being honest with you. And that's why you see a tall ball handler getting to the rim and then making a decision eight feet and in where he can either take it to the rack or dump it, dump it down to Baycott. I mean, that, that is their offense essentially. And obviously if they work inside out, like you saw multiple times tonight, they hit a bunch of threes, which they did as well. But all that to say, that's not difficult X's and O's. That's not something that you can't figure out defensively. I mean, that's not complicated. It's just talent. Right. And so, and so I think for me, the thing about Mike Pegues is just based on the quotes, just on based on the body language, what I've seen, he gets this job. He gets this city, he gets this university, he gets this program. And I think that is worth something. And I think at, as we've learned in the Chris Mack, post Chris Mack era, the fit matters. And if the fit isn't right, it's not going to work. And again, I'm, I'm interested to see the official announced attendance tonight. I know they were talking somewhere in the 13, 14,000 range on the, on the pregame radio show. Butts are in the seats. And again, I, I fully understand Duke and Carolina, there should be, I mean, those should be sellouts no matter what. And they're not, but much better than what they've been. But all that to say, I think you have to give them a strong look. And obviously you're going to get to see that down the stretch here. You know, Cards still have several games down the stretch, hopefully have a run in them in Brooklyn. But I think you do have to give him consideration. And I think you really have to consider what is the best for this program culturally? What is the best fit, right? Do Is it really the best idea to go get somebody like Kenny Payne, who's also not been a head coach? Let's just say it. Let's just put it out there. Who's an older gentleman who's been all over the place, NBA, college, everything in between, but also hasn't been a head coach? Or can we take someone who's been under Shaka Smart, a very very good X's and O's head coach, very good culture head coach? I mean, look at how successful he's been in year one with zero talent at Marquette um, coming from Texas. He has shown the ability to do the X's and O's things. Think back to the press on Saturday against Duke. But he's also shown the ability to get the player's ear and to get the fan base's ear. I know he already said in the post game tonight that that tech from him was unexcusable. I don't think it was, but that's what you want your head coach to say, right? All of those things are the right things to me. And I think the thing for me, and I'll, I'll end it here with this conversation. It's easy to come up with, oh, this guy wins here. He recruits well here. He can come do that in Louisville. I don't know if it's that simple. I really don't. But what I, what I do think is, is very true is that it has to be the right fit. And if it's not the right fit, we're going to find ourselves in the same situation three, four, five years down the road, trying to buy out another coach and try to try this cycle once again.
13,386 was the attendance tonight. And, you know, people scoff at that and whatever else. And look, it's not great. It's not what Louisville is historically used to. But when you are now Louisville's a 500 team on the season, when you're a 500 team to draw 13,386 is, is impressive, uh, especially during COVID, especially during a period of time where you don't have a real head coach. That's really solid. It, it, look, it's not just the number of people that are showing up. It's it's the way that they are acting when at, at these games. Like tonight against Duke, the arena was absolutely insane. And tonight, I would say the arena was unhinged. And they had many reasons to be, I think, because of the play in a good way. But also, I think, just because of, like, all everything that's just, like, built up, the animosity and the the just, like, need to just, like, see a win and something positive happen to this program – I think all of that adding up really has combined for a couple of really great atmospheres back-to-back against North Carolina and Duke. As far as what you're saying about Mike Begees, I totally understand and agree. Fans are not going to be in support of that, and and ultimately I think that that's why it wouldn't happen. I feel that when I look at it, he fires me up just because I think that he feels the same way about this program and about the players and about the just the tradition and everything as a whole as as we do and you don't always see that you didn't always see that from chris mack you saw resentment you saw frustration you saw my way or the highway type of mentality and attitude i don't sense that from biggies i sense that he is very very passionate and really is just win or nothing type of guy and that's the attitude that you have to have in louisville be the coach at uofl it has to be, it doesn't matter that we had X, Y, and Z technical. It doesn't matter that, you know, we had a foul not called here or a foul not called there. What matters is that we didn't win the game. And that's what he's going to sit there and say over and over. And you can see it on his face. Like, you know, I'd like to go back and, and get some some gifts of of Pegues' faces on the sideline tonight. The technical may have been warranted, but I don't think there's a single Louisville fan that's mad about him getting a tech because what occurred before that was so unbelievably egregious that I might lose sleep over it tonight. Like it was just inexcusable. It was ugly. Somebody needs to answer for it, uh, especially because it was from a guy that shouldn't have been in the game that ultimately helped send the game to overtime in the first place. Literally, he probably could have been called for a technical foul or tripping someone. And instead, just the play was allowed to go on. As far as the play on the floor, there's so much more positives than negatives. And that you can count on one hand how many times you could say that about this team this season. And ultimately, I think that's that's kind of the takeaway. Like you said, I think you want to see a lot better on the defensive end. You are seeing not a ton, but a little bit. When Louisville's playing with these more athletic teams, you're seeing that pace that we had heard about in the offseason a little bit more. Now, when the the opposing defense gets back and they get set, yes, you see them kind of scramble a little bit especially when Jared West is is at the point you see Louisville kind of scrambling to ultimately get set and into the correct offense. But you saw them running a lot of sets tonight, and they were running what worked, just like North Carolina was. You know, North, North Carolina wasn't doing anything super complicated. They were running the same pick-and-roll play, and if Louisville switched off or had any confusion, they had a wide-open three every single time. Like, they ran the same play four or five times in the first half, and and it worked to perfection over and over again. And then if that wasn't working, then the next thing that they do is get get a big switched off on a little. So they get a Mar- Armando Bacot switched off on Mason Faulkner or Jared West, 
and just let him eat. And he's either going to draw a foul or he's going to score easily. On the other end, you saw Louisville do the exact same thing, running some pick and rolls, running some pick and pop situations, getting your shooters into situations where they can play off of each other and create situations that can be advantageous for them. You know, as good as Brady Manic was tonight, maybe we should name this episode Manic Depressant. Haha. <laughs> the way that Brady Manic was playing and defending tonight, um, Louisville took advantage of that. You know, I know that he plays like an old man on the offensive end and had some crazy shots that went in that I can't believe went in tonight. Um, but that's kind of his style of play. But he's not a tremendous defender, doesn't have a ton of athleticism. And Louisville took advantage of that quite a bit tonight. Ultimately, like you said, getting back to that style of play to just kind of wrap this up, Louisville style of play is, is it feels outdated when you look at opponents like North Carolina and Duke because they are going to run six guys at you. Those guys are going to play pretty much the entire game. And as I indicated on the last podcast, when you have six elite players, that's all you really need. And then you have a couple of guys that, that play five, six minutes a game to just spare you just in case you have foul trouble or in case something you know, atypical happens. But I mean, just like Duke basically played five guys tonight, they had zero bench points tonight. You have Leaky Black, Caleb Love, RJ Davis, Armando Bacot playing all of the minutes and, and Brandy Manick playing all the minutes. Puff Johnson, who was a big Wolver recruit. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, Johnson, McCoy and Walton did nothing. Zero points. They between the three of them, they only attempted one shot. Ultimately, it was just Duke starters against 11 Louisville guys. That's where I think that I think that's Louisville's kind of final step this season is kind of transitioning towards tightening up that rotation a little bit. Yes, you're playing for the future at this point. Yes, you want to make sure that the guys who are eventually going to play for this program get some run. But look, that's still the future right now. It would be nice to just figure out how to win some games. And if that involves Noah Locke getting less clock in order for LLS to get more clock, I don't think that anybody in the entire world, probably including Noah Locke, would argue against that. That's just where you have to see the coaching staff adjusting just a little bit more. Again, Sidney Curry had foul trouble tonight. The 17 minutes that he played were 17 very, very productive minutes. The only positive plus minus on the team. But you want to see this rotation tighten up. You want them. To, you want to see them. They're never going to be a, a six six man rotation with this type of squad, but you would like to see them become like an eight man rotation. And ultimately, they're still running too many guys out there. Uh, the the lineup and the substitutions are getting better, but I would still like them to see them continue to improve going forward. Louisville this weekend at Syracuse. That's scary <laughs> because this is a Louisville team that's struggling to defend right now. And they're going to be facing a Syracuse team that just absolutely shoots the lights out. You know, Notre Dame obviously put on kind of an offensive clinic against Louisville. And then we saw Duke shut them down uh, last night, Monday night, if you're listening on Wednesday. The only team better, quote unquote, offensively, more offensively efficient in this in this conference right now um, would be Syracuse. The positive news is that Syracuse has absolutely got awful on defense this year. You know, that patented 2-3 zone has been sacrificed a bit for the Bayheim brothers who just absolutely light it up uh, from the outside. So if things continue to go the way that they are, uh, LLS again could light it up. Any comment on Syracuse before we get out of here? Hitting 15 threes tonight is the only thing that concerns me, Prez, just because 
we're going to shoot 45 of them on Saturday, probably. I mean, something that's horrendous to even think about. Uh, what, 15 or 35 tonight? I think if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I've popped over to yep, that's look correct. at the Syracuse, the Syracuse numbers. But I think you're going to get really good value on this line. I'm interested to see what it comes out on Saturday. They're, Ken Palm currently has it projected 77-70. I would be shocked if the line is seven points after Carolina closes a four-point favorite um, and was up three points with 17 seconds left before the refs. Uh, yeah, just putting that out there. The fix was in for sure. The cover... The cover was definitely in. Yeah, that's definitely making bad beats. It's got to make bad beats. You get it. Oh, SVP was already tweeting about it. So he had plenty of time to get it into the segment tonight. But I'm not worried about the Syracuse zone. Like you said, the the numbers are horrendous this year on this Q's team defensively. If Louisville fights, I think they'll be in it. And I think that's the theme down the stretch here. I mean, Syracuse at Notre Dame, and then you're home for Miami Clemson. You get this Carolina team again in 20 days. Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, Virginia to end it. You know, if 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 Pegues continues to get the ear of this team, I mean, five and three is possible. You know, and if he doesn't, you know, one and seven, two and six. You know, like I don't know. There's a lot still on the table here with eight games in the regular season remaining, and you know, I guess you're guaranteed one in Brooklyn. All I'm focused on right now is continued growth, continued pace, like you said, continued effort, um, trying to get better at getting on the boards, like you said. The shorter rotation, I'm not even worried about that at this point. I just don't think we're going to get there ever. Uh, you know, 22 games in the year, I guess we're just going to play 10, 11 guys. Um, but I, I'm interested to see how the Malik Williams narrative unfolds. Mike Begeese has me. He's He's got me um, by the hand. He's brought me back. Not that I was too far away, but he's brought me courtside. I, I'm, I'm right there with him. I know he said in the presser I was reading while you were talking lovely about Syracuse. Uh, he said, I was just looking for something to hit was his reference to the tech. That's why he smacked the scoring scorer's table. But all that to say, encouraged as much as I can be for an 11-11 basketball team in the ACC in a very bad year. Looking forward to seeing the cards play again on Saturday. I'm looking forward to see what they have going going forward. And again, the Mac era is over. The bad juju is gone. And let's just keep moving ahead. Dude, we're going to keep mo- moving forward. And look, if, if that's all he's got a time to go for, we're slapping it with the scorer's table. Chris Mack does that every game. So I, I know he said... I know he said one choice word that was clear on the tape, but I again, if we're going to get into technicalities here, Chris Max said about 19 things before he would get one. So I was about to say, it, I think that's it is what it is thing versus uh, versus more, a more seasoned coach thing to me that absolutely feels like what it is. We can sit here and complain and talk about reps all day, but look, I am encouraged by what we saw. At this point in the season, given the circumstances, what you want to see is to cons- you want to continue to see this team get better. Obviously, wins would be really nice, but you want to see progress, and that's what's happening. Anytime that you're a fan of a, of a program that is just in the position where Louisville is, you just want to see progress, and that is it. Going forward, Syracuse, uh, looking forward to... Uh, three guys in particular against Syracuse, and that's going to be Samuel Williamson, Dre Davis, and Matt Cross. Because if Louisville comes in with a good good game plan, I absolutely think that those guys can absolutely eat inside against that Syracuse zone. Uh, and, and again, a lot of dump offs to Sidney Curry, a la you know Montrez Harrell, Shane Bahannon against that zone will be a fun one to watch. Until then, thank you for tuning in, starting five hundred two podcast. Go Cards! Go Cards! I need a trip to Milan soon. I gotta make up my mind. Uh, tell me that she read online today. I do not work with a horoscope. I want-
wonder what the thesaurus say I'm on the wind just like horn a sack Give me a minute Had to get rid of my demons or something Like it was tennis I guess I feel like I'm Jesus or something Could you forget it I heard that show she was rented oh. Vacate the premises uh. Y'all know what the premise is yeah. I get prim proper Ooh. Like we at the opera Ooh. I am not opposed to it If you tryna pop up on me hey. Hey. Killing me slowly My chick look like Jenny Jolie yeah. She got the remedy for me When I get lonely When we get around her body at We pretend to be homies